0: So let's turn our attention to Scripture. Uh, One of the passages of the Bible which you've not read in the last five years, probably, unless you've read through the Bible section, is Hosea 14, and that's going to be our first text today, Hosea 14. It is a wonderful, powerful, sweet text which brings hope to all of us. Remember, Hosea is the fellow whose wife uh, became a prostitute. He bought her back, and she went back and became a prostitute again. He bought her back, and God said, take her back. And uh, God was showing Hosea that just like his wife was doing this and the pain it caused him, so the people of God, the people of Israel, had been that way toward the Lord. And here is the final prophecy from Hosea. Listen here to God's Word. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to Him, take away all iniquity and receive us graciously, that we may present the fruit of our lips. Assyria will not save us. We will not ride on horses, nor will we say again, our God, to the work of our hands. For in you the orphan finds mercy, and God speaks, I will heal their apostasy, I will love them freely, for my anger has turned away from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. He will blossom like the lily, and he will take root like the cedars of Lebanon. His shoots will sprout, and his beauty will be like the olive tree, and his fragrance like the cedars of Lebanon. Those who live in his shadow will again raise raise grain, and they will blossom like the vine. His renown will be like the wine of Lebanon. O Ephraim, what more have I to do with idols? It is I who answer and look after you. I am like a luxuriant cypress. From me comes your fruit. And there's this little coda at the end that tells us this. Whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the righteous will walk in them, but transgressors will stumble in them. Amen. Our first New Testament reading is from Ephesians, the fifth chapter, verses 15 through 20. Practical application here that Paul's making after three chapters of esoteric theology thinkings. Listen here to God's Word. "'Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise Amen. Then our primary text today is from Hebrews chapter 13, the last chapter. We'll read the last half chapter. We've been preaching through Hebrews all summer. This is the end today. So, verses 15 through 25, He'll wrap it up, hammer it home, and send us on our way. Listen here again to God's Word. Through Him, that is, through the Lord Jesus Christ, through Him then let us continually offer up A sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that give thanks to His name and do not neglect doing good and sharing for with such sacrifices God is pleased obey your leaders and submit to them for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account let them do this with joy and not with grief for this would be unprofitable for you pray for us for we are sure that we have a good conscience Desiring to conduct ourselves honorably in all things. And I urge you all the more to do this, so that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now, the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, may that God equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. But I urge you, brethren, bear with this word of exhortation for I have written to you briefly take notice that our brother Timothy has been released with whom if he comes soon I will see you greet all your leaders and all the Saints those from Italy greet you grace be with you all amen we'll take just a few moments to bow our heads and silently meditate upon God's Word which we've read Heavenly Father we are here before you because we desire to walk in your ways We know that while we know lots of things, we don't know all your ways as we should. So we confess our ignorance, but Lord, we also confess our desire. We want to walk in your ways. We want to be your people. So come and help us. Uh, Minister to us. Send your word into us that may stay there, lodge there, take deep root in our lives, and bear fruit in the days and weeks and years that lie ahead. So we give ourselves this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I think our texts today, particularly the New Testament text, not the Old Testament text so much, can be very discouraging. What do I mean? Well, look at this text from, go ahead and put it up, Brian, this first text from from, uh, Hebrews. Let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. I get challenged by that. I don't continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. And it says to do that, right? You all see that? It says to do that. And so, that can be discouraging. This, this text from Ephesians 5, what does it, the text from Ephesians 5 say? Brian, put that one up if you would, please. Always giving thanks for all things. Well, I've already had some things today that I just wasn't real thrilled about giving thanks for. Have you? So, I, you know, these, these, these verses can be a little bit discouraging, at least I find them that way. Well, The thing is, I've set it up this way, but there are some important qualifiers here. So let's look at the first qualifier. Uh, What's the next thing I have up here? Through Him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. The through Him is the Lord Jesus Christ. That is, because Jesus is who He is in our relationship to Him, through Him then, all the things that go on, we can continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Well, that's what the sermon's about, how we do that. Likewise, in uh, the Ephesians 5 passage, what does it say? Uh, Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, the Lord Jesus is absolutely essential for all this that that can be so discouraging toward us. We need to know that it's in Christ Jesus that these things happen. Uh, Jesus is the key that closes some doors and opens other doors. Now, why Jesus and how Jesus? And we need to go back to the beginning of this epistle to figure that out. So, here's verses 1 and 2, the first two verses of this entire chapter, what uh, entire book. It says, God, after He spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets, in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us in His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He made the world. <clears throat> now, we, we need to hear that. That's how he begins. He says, this is all going to be about the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who's important. Uh, what had been and what now is, you know, God speaks, and he says, in these last days, uh, it's the la- there's no fuller revelation. There's not Jesus and then Muhammad. There's not Jesus and then Joseph Smith. There's- Jesus is the end. It's the last days from the time that Jesus has been presented. And who is he? He's the heir of all things. He's the one for whom everything was made, through the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to understand that. That's important. And then verse 3 gives a full view of who Jesus is that we need to hear. He is the radiance of the Father's glory, the exact representation of His nature. If you want to know how God is, look at Jesus, it says, Jesus Christ. He is the exact representation of His nature. He upholds all things. There's no qualifier there. He upholds all things by the word of His power. Things in nature, things in our souls, things in the farthest stretches of the universe, the minutest details there. He upholds all things by the word of His power. And when He had made purification of sins, He had taken care of sins, that issue. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That's where Christ is now. He's been enthroned, the ascension. He's enthroned. He said down. He's finished His work. He did it once for all. All time. There's no other time. That's why we're in the last days, since the days of Christ. Uh, all of Hebrews is an explication of what this verse, these first two verses, three verses say. Hebrews lays that all out as best we can, as best we can. Now, what flows from this? And that's where our text comes in, uh, verse 16, if you, if you know, you give thanks to God through the Lord Jesus Christ, what will you do? Verse 16, we will not neglect doing good and sharing, for God's pleased with such things. So we'll, we'll do that. We'll, we will not neglect doing good and sharing. It's going to please God. It, it says, obey your leaders and submit to them. We'll do that because it flows out of that. We recognize, and I'll explain this more in a little bit. Uh, we we obey them, we submit to them, it's right and it's a good thing to do. Uh, Notice that leaders are going to have to give an account to God for how they carried out their stewardship. It says they should do this with joy, not with sorrow, it would be for your grief. So you need to think about that. Uh, Verse 18, it says, to conduct ourselves honorably in all things. Pray for us that we can do that. That we can conduct ourselves honorably. Well, the question becomes, what's honorable? You know, this this is sort of up in the air today. What's honorable? What's not? Things that before had been shameworthy are now celebrated. Things that have been celebrated before are now shameworthy. Well, what's honorable? How do we know? Could be confusing. And it says that he will equip us in verse twenty-one to do his will. That is, uh, that which is pleasing in his sight. Now. I'd like to have you think about something here. All the things that you do, what do you do and why? There's a verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. It says this, Therefore, we also have as our ambition, is this your ambition? Whether at home, that is if we're still here in the body, in the flesh, whether at home or absent, that is if we're in heaven, to be pleasing to Him. Is that your desire? Is that the work of the Holy Spirit in your life? Do you want to be pleasing to Him? Well, yes, it is, except when it's not. Right? We have as our ambition. We want to do that, but it's just like we said, we're we're prone to wonder. We're prone to do these things, so we've got to see, well, how does that work out? What happens here? How does this get taken care of? Now, if we know these things, the things I've just talked about, we can answer the five basic questions of human life. Here's the first question. Now, this is about how the world works and how it is set up by God. Everyone needs to know, well, who is in charge? It's a basic question, you all ask that every day. Who is in charge of the world? Question number two, to whom do I report? What am I supposed to do? Who am I supposed to do it with or to or whatever? Whom do I re- to whom do I report number three? Well, what are the rules? You've been trying to learn the rules since you were a little kid, right? Where's the boundary line? We need to know what the rules are. And number four, the question is, what are the consequences? That is, positives and negatives. These are things we want to know. We have to answer that. And number five is... Is there any future? Why bother doing this stuff if it has no future? Now, those are five basic questions that come from this text here, that another text in the Bible as well, that we need to answer. It shows them here. Now, <clears throat> here, here are the answers. How the world works, how it is set up by God. And what our text said who's in charge? God. Do you believe that? We should, we ought to know this, God's in charge of everything, right? He upholds all things by the word of His power, all things. He's in charge. God is in charge. Well, what's the next question? To whom do I report? We all have authorities in our lives, no matter who we are. None of us is an authority to ourselves. And so we have to find out, well, to whom do I report, and delegated authority— all of us have—all of us are authorities to someone else, too, by the way, if you're an adult, sometimes even if you're kids. You'll have to answer to the one who gave you that. It's You don't have authority on your own. No one has, has authority on their own. It's delegated from God, and we'll have to give a, a accounting for how we've done that authority that God has given to us. So, we want to be pleasing to Him, right? We want to do our job well, and we want to report to the persons we need to in a right and good way. Well— Next question is, is what? What are the rules? There are ethics and morality, things that are set in place by God. When it's said in here that, that we would do all, pray for us that we'll do all things honorably, there's that which is honorable and that which is not. Uh, now, may I tell you something here, and you know this, our nation has a great, has had a great moral capital principle, from which we could draw, that told us what was right and what was wrong. We've just about evacuated that, and we've turned, we've begun to build another reservoir, a principle, of all wicked stuff, where we're saying we're going to change ethics and morality and make ethics and morality different. We're, we, we're doing that. I've preached about that for numbers of times, numbers of ways, but this is another way to say that. Uh, <clears throat> what are the rules? Well, the rules have changed. And we suck that in and we should not because the rules don't change, ethics and morality. So number four, what are the consequences? What are the rewards and punishments? And if God has set this up, we need to know that God has rewards and punishments in this life as well. You cannot do what we're doing as a nation and not expect God to punish us. That's simple. You simply cannot do it. why is it, you know, here's an interesting thing. <clears throat> what are the consequences? One of the things that we're in the process of being being uh, lied to about is our history. You know, America has been a blessed land. We've been blessed by God, and we've been a blessing to others. You, I don't care how you, you if you just go... Now, does that mean we've been perfect? Absolutely not, but we have been a blessed land, and we've been a blessing to others. We need to know that, because that's the the reward. We had an honorable biblical ethic that we sought to live by, conduct our business by. I mean, go down to the Supreme Court of the United States and see what's on the walls there. What will you find? The Ten Commandments, and all across our capital down there in D.C. and other places as well, uh, there are Scriptures quoted. We were a biblical people, which doesn't mean that everyone was a Christian, doesn't mean that everyone believed all those things, but that's what we, we aimed for, our ambition was. And we've received rewards for that. God's blessed that. When I say received rewards, God's blessed that we've been able to accomplish things and do things. Well, God's a punisher as well. And so what's the last question? Is there any future? Uh, is what we're involved with, this could be on anything from our, the place where we work to uh, the town in which we live to whatever, is there a future? Is it a going concern or not? Someone says, we well, you know, I've talked to people, my company has no future, I'm leaving to a place where my job will be secure, as it were. Uh, you should think about this, <clears throat> we should think about it, in terms of heaven and hell. That's the future. That's the ultimate future of all of us, of every person, either heaven or hell. Is the place where I'm at, the direction I'm going, the path I've, I'm walking, where does it lead, to heaven or to hell? Basic questions of life. Now, I'd like to give you a couple of examples, you can take that down now, Brian, thank you so much, of how knowing these questions leads us to the praise of God. My father died of cancer lining up his lung. My dad always told us that the way he hoped to die was fall over with a heart attack, boom, be gone. He didn't. He got cancer lining up his lungs, he suffered. It was hard, it was tough. And after, he didn't suffer that long, only about two, three months, Then he died, and we were all distraught. I was distraught. My dad was not quite 66 years old when he died. And I wonder, well, how come my dad got cancer and suffered and died when he didn't want that? And it wasn't until four or five months later, on a Sunday morning, about four o'clock, I was taking a shower, getting ready for church, and God showed me something. He said it was because of the mercy and love of God that he gave my father cancer to suffer with for at least two or three months. Huh. Now here's how the Lord explained that to me. My father was a opinionated person. And he always said that there was was not a person alive who he couldn't make mad. And he proved it. and he had a number of broken relationships. He had lots of friends, but he had lots of broken relationships as well. Well, my father found out at the end of September that year that he was gonna be dead by Christmas. He died on Thanksgiving night. He found out he was gonna be dead by Christmas. Now, when you find that out, those five questions I just put up there are much more pushed on you, if you would. They're much more uh, salient to, to your life. My father responded by saying, "You know." I've been a fool, I need to make things, and he began to call people and ask forgiveness. He began to call people and try to make things right. He asked people to come by. He told us kids, now my father, he's a good German, and the way that we show that we love one another, we pick on one another. And he actually told us that he loved us. That's dad, shut up, shut up, come on out. Don't do that, it embarrasses me. <laughs> and, and he did all that, and God showed me that if he had died the way he was, the way he wanted to all those relationships would have been broken would have been difficult would have left all kind of people hurting and uh, god's love god's mercy god's grace allowed my father to die after suffering with cancer and i give thanks to god that my dad got cancer do you see how that how that works out now i'll give you another example here this is from john piper and he, he used this he had Suppose you're someone and you have uh, something you need to do, go in town, get some bucks or do whatever it is, you get some things, and so you've arranged for to have someone come and mow your lawn, a young guy to come mow your lawn, you're going to pay them, and you have your neighbor across the street going to watch your kids, you're only going to be gone for less than an hour. And uh, it's all set up, you're going to do it this way. And as you're on your way there, you're going down 309, and there's an accident down by, by, by uh, uh, Berge's Chevrolet there. And you're caught between that light and the light down at Walnut Street. And they won't let you out. It's closed both ways. And you sit there for two hours. And so the young guy who's mowing your lawns, waiting to get paid, he doesn't get paid. He's done, no one's there, he goes away. Your friend who was keeping your, 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 your uh, kids, she was gonna leave within an hour because she and her husband were gonna go look at the house they wanted to buy. They can't do that. They can't keep their appointment. And you get back to your place, you know, two and a half hours late. And you think, what a dork I am. How wretched this is. How all things went bad. How can I praise God for this? Well, the scenario that Piper sets up is this the young boy was going to take that money he earned mowing grass. He made arrangements with some friends to go and buy some. Things they shouldn't buy. And because he didn't have the funds, because you, you were delayed on the highway, he could not go and do that. So he was prevented from getting into something that he should have been doing, shouldn't have been doing anyway. The lady who watched your kids, she and her husband were going to go look at a house, but they didn't realize the house had foundational problems that no one knew about, and whoever bought it was going to have a big, big problem about a year down the road. And so they didn't get the house. And you, who are feeling worthless and messed everything up, have been used by God to accomplish His goodwill. Now, how that all works out in our lives, we don't, we, oftentimes we don't know. But we need to know that He's the one, as we've sung so much this morning, He's the one in control. We know who rules. Who rules over everything. And so that not a hair falls from my head, not a bird falls to the ground without his good will. And we can't see how that works out necessarily. I'm thankful he showed me about my dad. I could still be worrying about it. There are other things I have that I still wouldn't question about. But, but we trust because of the Lord Jesus Christ who demonstrates in what he did, his life, death, etc. that God is for us. And if he's for us, who can be against us? Right. Now, let's do an application. See where I'm at here. Uh, Hosea 14, great passage. God is calling, return, return, come back to me. He says, as you come back, bring words with you. Now, what kind of words? It's interesting what happens there. He says, bring words with you and say, Lord, take away my iniquities. Confession of sin is always paramount. We must know that. We come and say, Lord, take away my iniquities. Who can stand before you? Lord, take away my iniquities. Lord, be gracious to me, not because I deserve it, not because I've done anything about it, or not simply because I asked you, but Lord, be gracious to me. Do for me what you don't have to do, but you want to do, do that to me. Be gracious to me, ask him for that. I need grace, and confess. That no other power, the Assyrians or whomever it may be, no other power can save us, can save me. Only you can do that. Indeed, we refuse to bow down to the work of our hands as so though that's going to make us right with God. The works of our hands will never make us right with God. Only the work of Christ on the cross can make us right with God. And so that those are the words that are said there in Hosea 14. We don't have time to just read through them and do whatever. Now, verse 9, says, whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Who is wise and foolish? Let's put that up here, Brian. <clears throat> Ephesians 5 says, not as unwise men, do not be foolish. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Now, if you, don't, if you answer question number one, who's in charge with anything other than God or no one's in charge, you're a fool. The fool says in his heart there's no God, that there's no one who rules. And if you think that's the case, <clears throat> inevitably, you'll end up doing abominable deeds. Because there's no God, there's no rule, there's nothing there, you'll, you'll go that direction. Uh, that does not mean that these are all pimps and perverts. You'd be a scholar, you can going be a diplomat, you to be a business leader, and if you answer that wrongly, answer this way, you're foolish, and you'll end up doing abominable deeds before God. Let's put up the next slide, Brian. But be wise, understand what the will of the Lord is. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Know that God is. Know that God exists, that He's God, He really is God. That's wisdom. And then you'll understand what the will of God is because he's spoken. a good understanding have all those who do his commandments. Did we read a verse last week from Proverbs 1724? We did, didn't we? Wisdom? No no. What does Proverbs 1724 say? See, I've forgotten that. I should know that uh, The fear of something about how wisdom, the presence of the Lord is in the uh, eyes of all those who have wisdom, but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. That is, if you're wise, you're going to understand that God is. If you don't, you won't, and you're only on the ends of the earth. A good understanding its you actually live out what you understand. Be wise. Know that God is. Now, the title of the sermon this morning is The Bulls of Our Lips. What does that mean? You read all through the Old Testament, and they're always making sacrifices and sacrifices and sacrifices. Just up before this, uh, in in Hebrews, he's talking about the sacrifices that were made there and how they took the animals outside there. Well, we're done with animal sacrifices, but we bring the sacrifice of our lips, of what we say about God and to God. The bulls of our lips are the sacrifices that God receives where we give thanks to Him, where we praise Him, where we acknowledge Him. We know who He is. He's a ruler of all. And it says, let us do that. Continually offer up a sacrifice of praise with the fruit of our lips to give thanks to His name. May God help us to bring the bulls, the sacrifices of our lips to Him, to praise His name, to His honor and to His glory. We know that such will be pleasing to him, and that to be pleasing to him is our ambition. Amen.